Carnival personnel was recorded in the dank, moldy basement. Joe and Jacques, it's Carnival personnel. Joe and Jacques, to their wives this show is their personal hell. Well, the show sounds the same every single week. Pats are great, Trump is lame, and Joe barely speaks. Who you think still listening? Who you think still listening? Besides Jim and Biff, yeah. And don't forget Richard. Here's a random review. No one cares about you two, Joe and Jacques. Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques. What happened to me? About six months ago, I pulled a muscle in my groin, thought it might be a hernia. Now, uh, the first step in any injury, what do you do? You go to your primary care physician for an evaluation. So I go to my family doctor, he's feeling me up for like 10 minutes, which was weird because I, I hadn't even told him why I was there yet. And he said, Mike, we probably shouldn't do this in the waiting room. Why don't you come around backwards quieter? Hello, and welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques, and sadly there is no Biff, and sadly there's no Joe because they're grown-ups and they have real jobs, and they can't record in the middle of the afternoon. So I will do my best to uh, stay on track. Um, I apologize if I ramble too much to everybody and anyone, but I'm completely goofy excited. Um Today we have a guest, or today I have a guest, I guess we have a guest, the collective real we, um, who is one of the biggest names in comedy and, you know, especially in the New England area. Um, he is a headline comic, uh, runs probably, arguably, the most successful or at least successful by all the people I've known who have taken his comedy classes, and he is a big comedy producer at the same time. Uh, an actor, a voiceover specialist. I could not be um, more excited to welcome uh, Steve. Uh, <laughs> look at that. Now I'm going to edit that. <laughs> I just said, Steve, you know what? I'm not going to edit it, Mike, because nope. I only learned from my mistakes. Um, and if Joe was here, my, my writing partner since 93, he would say, why did we fall down, Bruce? So we can learn to get back up. No, we were just talking about a, a mutual friend of ours, another great comic from here, but everybody uh, say hello to Mike Katrobus. Mike, how are you? That was, you know what, you you had the greatest intro of my life started. Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm amazing. And I was I'm not as big as I think I am, like apparently. No, yeah, I, it, it it literally. I'm at that. Did you? I was one of three kids, and I think by the time my mom hit forty, she started doing this thing where she would call every other name in the house before she got to the one she wanted. Oh yeah. She, wow. My mom would say, "My dad, my brother, my sister, the dog, the dog that died three years earlier." And then me, you know, and I'm at that age where I'm like, oh, fuck, because we were talking about a mutual friend with a different name. But seriously, uh, we crossed paths a few months ago when the um, lovely and talented Mr. Greg Bogus called and said, hey, can you want to come in and open the show at Luna Theater, which I live in the Merrimack Valley, uh, the great shitty of Lowell. He's been running that show there forever. And I'm like, great. And he's like, yeah, this this is a headliner. And and here's everybody else. And I'll, I'll do a quick, you know, YouTube or see what's on there. And I'm like, oh, man, I 
usually would pay to go see a show like this. So the best thing is I didn't piss myself and I got in for free and I absolutely will start with your comedy because I love your comedy. It hits on such a visceral level with me because so much of it is being a guy over 40 who didn't have kids to your 40. And then it's like, Oh, now, uh, now I'm a dad. <laughs> like, so, uh, cause uh, you know, my first one came popping out of the oven at 39 and the second one at 42. And I think you were a little older. Uh, I was 47, 47. And your little guy is three ish, four ish. Four. Just turned four in March. Um, so let's just start right there. We'll get into how you got into comedy and all that stuff, but man, how, you know, how did that change your comedy life? <laughs> I only had the kid to write more jokes. I was running out of material. <laughs> I didn't even want the damn kid. Um, no, I got, look, I, I was one of those guys growing up doing comedy going, this is my career. Any woman gets in my way. I'm not going to settle down. And then you meet the women that go, oh my God, you're so funny. I love you. And then you're doing it on stage. They go, oh, why do you have to be the center of attention? So I never settled down. I literally, my longest relationship until my 40s was nine months with a stripper in my 20s. Wow. Swear to God. Then uh, after this rough relationship I had, I met this woman at eight when I was 43. And now uh, we got married 45 for the first time. So everything, everything came late in life. And then a couple of years later, she goes, I want to have a kid. And I didn't. But then I said, you know what? I need the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and now, And now he's my favorite thing in the world. And, and, and it's I will I will never, ever belittle people who don't have kids. Some of my my wife's most of her best friends, you know, have chosen not to have kids. And they're the most wonderful people who have these full, rich lives. They, oh, what else do they have? Fuck it. What is mm, savings? Right. The savings account. I, I, I knew it was right here. I've heard that word before. I'm really not sure what it means. <laughs> but, you know, and it is. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I, ne I, I didn't have a dad growing up. I always wanted to be a dad. You know, this thing, you know, I was a serial long-term relationship guy. These things didn't work out. And then this, you know, I hate to say it, but um, I don't hate to say it. I'll just put out there. A lot of people know this. I owe my entire life to the band Duran Duran because my sister called me in, in early 2003 and said her friend uh, who lives for the band, has lived for the band her whole life, the original five got back together. So they went from playing 200 shows in front of – 2,000 people. It, you know, it was two guys from the band, three guys from the band, but the original five, now they're playing the Staples Center. They're playing the Garden. They're playing Madison Square. And my sister calls and says, um, my friend needs a place, and she's seeing three shows in the area. Can she crash with you? I'm three months out of, you know, a divorce. Um, and I'm like, yeah, sure. And I didn't know who her friend was. I knew of her, but I didn't know her. So she came out in July of 2003 to see them in three places. She was staying for three days. She stayed for 10. She moved out two months later. I fucked up a one night stand. I really, I just, I just coming out of a marriage. I wasn't sure. And we had one of these, well, we'll get married. No, we're not going to get married. We'll have kids. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. We did. And we weren't going to get married. Then she got a job in Qatar and you can't live together unless you're married. So we 
ran and got married. Yeah. So, so, but you know, so my sons were my, you know, my best man wore, um, wore Bobby Orr's minor league Jersey. The guy who co-hosts the podcast with me, you know, Biff who, you know, was there anyways. So it's the same thing. It was like, okay, so here I am now with kids and I don't lament anybody who doesn't have them, but yes or no, Mike, every day gets better than the next and you have no idea how it happens. Yeah, that's a, that's that's one of those questions to answer with yes, but it's a pain in the ass and difficult oh. as well. There's just as much frustration as there is happiness, but it's all worth it. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, some days do I want to hang him by his toes? Yes. You know what I mean? But that one minute you sit there with him or you're playing with him or you're doing something else, you're going, Jesus, I wouldn't change anything. And I don't care that I have a savings account. And even when I do have a little bit of money savings, I want to make sure he's happy. And and has some stuff. It's 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 it messes with your head. Kills and, it. and then you start posting pictures on Father's Day of you wearing a shirt with his face all over it, and it's something you would have mocked somebody. One of your comedy buddies rocked that ten years ago. Totally would have mocked him. Oh my god, never would have let him live it down. And now I just go, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> I, getting older, I'm doing all those things. I, all right, I'm gonna say this because you know what, people are gonna hear it. The other day, I went to the store. I was in a rush. I wore socks in my Crocs. Yeah, that's what I did at 52 years old. And I didn't give a shit, Doc. I didn't give a shit. So, uh, well, you're, you're, you're bit, and I won't give it any away, but I was dying. It, when they're smarter than you and they figure out the loophole, because we have two, and the first one is amazing, and he's sweet, and he's gentle, and he's awesome, and then he has his brother um who figured out the same loophole your son did during potty training <laughs> and it's and when they do you have these moments that they're infuriating at the same time you have to look away because you're dying laughing, I'm laughing oh my god every day every and it only gets better and it's great i mean so so let's talk about like your comedy what was yeah. your because i only know your comedy post your son was your comedy pre your son about living with a stripper in your 20s for nine months so, so i i even tell this on stage now uh as i enter one of my bits about relationships i go i go if you guys knew me 10 years ago and saw my routine i hated women i was angry guy <laughs> that said every woman is the reason men are miserable. That was my whole routine. So all the stuff, some of the stuff I still do now was done in a different context. It was done from the point of, I'm sick of this. Now it's at the point of, I'm married to the right woman. And I go, oh my God, we're the idiots. Oh. So now I've changed it to, because of the child, because of the wife, I realized that none of you did anything wrong. I'm the idiot. So it's it literally took even some of the same jokes I did and just did it from a different, uh, you know, perspective, different point of view, and yeah, it's amazing. And I, I, I get, I, I remember working out a bit during the pandemic. So I, I, one of the reasons I fell back into this, I've produced a lot of stuff for the USO, some big concerts and some tours. I met somebody in Armed Forces Entertainment when I lived in Qatar, and I've done some tours, and it's great. And over the pandemic, they're like, we want to change tours coming out of this. We want to 
go back to more interactive stuff, not I would bring professional basketball teams or, or you know, do these celebrity concerts. And they're great. And there's a meet and greet and all, but they want it more interactive. They want it more shows where there's an audience warm up with a Q&A where, where the people are, are. So I'm like and they're like and we're not raising the budget. <laughs> so I'm like, well, well, that, but if I can't bring somebody who does this, how am I gonna, you know, and I fell back and I started writing material and it, and it, and for me, it's the same thing. I've always, I have a great relationship with my mom and my sister. And, and even though I had a, a marriage that went sideways, I still respect, but I, I think for me, the time's up and the move on just made me look at things differently where I have this one bit where, you know, my wife asked if I were to get remarried and while I was first writing, if anything happens to me, or is she, my wife asked if anything happens to me and I turn to the side and say, and I clear to the charges, would I remarry? And originally I'm like, no, X, Y, and C. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to meet somebody else who's going to nag me so much. I want to rip my hair out. And I'm like that, you know, and it's fine and it works, but it's so guys are this and women are this. And so I changed it where, you know, on the dating apps, she, I, I, so I, I talked to her. It's like, oh, you don't want to be on the dating apps. Your friends already have, they already have somebody to grow old with, to build a life with, to mansplain to them Star Wars. You, you won. And it's, so I'm the joke, you know? And it's like, yeah, you know, I, I changed that. And the same thing. It's like, I make fun of the kids a lot through the prism of, well, they said this because I fucked them up type thing. You know what I mean? That's, you yep. know, it's, and, and it's true. Like, you know, every time my son says something that's quick and clever and spot on and fresh that would have got you smacked because you were the same age. <laughs> like, you know, we grew up in an era and, and, and we recently had this conversation with my mom and my boys just joking. It's like, because my boys don't believe it. It's like, mom, could the neighbor parents hit us? And my mom's like, yeah, I had two jobs. Somebody had to. <laughs> you know, and the look of my, my boys is like, wait, grandma? Grammy hit you? No, she's a Lego machine. You know, she doesn't hit kids. And then when my mom's like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, and it's like, they just don't get that. So that it's all from that prism. And like I said, so I'm only seeing your comedy coming into this. And and you've mentioned that, you know, that, that this is how I thought and this, yeah, in the, in the awakening that, oh my God, they're better at everything than we are. We're lucky they keep yep. us around after we speak. Oh, I know. That's why I'm being nice to him now because I need him to take care of me. <laughs> and uh, and so before this, did you? So so you're huge. Let's look at your whole career now. So I know of you because I was lucky enough to 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 open that thing at, at the Luna. But then over the last six seven months, I'm talking to this person, this person, and their first show was a showcase that you did through your class. Yeah. And and there's so many people like. Oh, he does this. And then, he, and then I reluctantly got onto social media. And every time, if you're not on a picture and I see somebody who's been on the show, whether, you know, it's Steve or Jim Colton, it's like, and you can see your company at the bottom of it. Or I went to, you know, Steve was on the podcast a couple months ago. He is, my sister gave me the heads up on him, maybe eight or nine years ago. He, he she's like, my sister and I absolutely love Brian Regan. And he's like, he's a lot like Brian Regan, works clean, incredibly funny. Uh, and so he's, you know, so I went to see him in New Hampshire just three, uh, maybe six weeks ago. 
and it's your show. You're hosting it. You come out. I went to see Steve, and I'm like, oh, fuck. It's like – and then I start looking you up, everywhere. and I'm like, everywhere. You know, and, and and then, you know, just, just kind of going down and doing a tap of research, I'm like, oh, my God, Steve Canto's show. It's like, is there is there – is there a VFW or a show that you haven't had your finger, you know, part of? I don't want to say fingers. Anyway, it's past 2020. Got to careful with the phrasing. But, does it, yeah. but, but, but what haven't you been a part of in the New England scene in the last you know, couple decades? Here's the deal. So in 1993, uh, I was kind of, uh, somebody said you should try stand-up comedy. No idea how to write. Never, never wrote a, you know, a bit. I, I just, I was a goofy guy, you know. But from that moment on, I, I loved it. And as going up, I realized something. Nobody really helps you. Comedians are very territorial. First of all, every open mic has their click. Every other place has their click. If you're not in a click, you're not going to get any help. The older comedians don't want you to get better because they don't want you taking their work. So it's a very dog eat dog business. So what I've tried to do is I'm trying to build a community to help that next level of person because I'm not scared because my belief is if you get better, it's going to push me to stay better. So by putting my hands and everything, I'm trying to figure out what works because there aren't really too many comedy clubs in New England. No. Right? Back in my day, there was Nick's Comedy Stop, Comedy Connection, Stitches, you know what I mean? There was a few places like that. Oh, what's now, it, one guy? There's one guy. There's one name. Something Club. He was branded everywhere in the 90s. Fuck. Uh, Dick Doherty. Dick Doherty. Thank you. Right, right, right. Everywhere. And Dick, if you work for Dick, you don't work for anybody else or he would fire you. I got oh. fired three times in my career from Dick Doherty. That's just what he does. So I finally get to the point where I go, you're not going to get in these clubs. Not me, but newer people because there's a pecking order. And until comedians die, you will not get into these clubs. So I said, all right, I'm going to find out. Does this company, does the VFW work? Should I focus on this? Should I try a restaurant? Should I do? And then I said, you know what? You know what I've realized too? I never got help. And these comedians, I'm sorry, but I've been to open mics. There's a lot of comedians that might have good material, but no idea how to deliver it. So if I teach a class and I help people look, I'm not going to teach how to be a comedian. I'm going to teach you the right way to become a comedian. I'm going to give you all the tools you need to write properly because there are so many open micers out there that if they for one just would take a class and learn what they're doing wrong, they wouldn't be at open mics for seven years without getting a paid gig. People don't do it. So I teach the class. And then once the class is done, if you continue, I don't leave you. Uh, Jen Howell is one of my dear friends oh. now. Uh, have you heard of Jimmy Cash? Yeah. Student. Your, oh, man. Um, I still call him all the time to, to support him. He's now headlining all over the place. You know what I mean? He's going to be at Atlantic City. He's going to Vegas. He's going. He's killing it, you know? And I never stopped answering the phone from these people, which I never had. So that's why you see my hand in everything because I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to do it so there isn't 700 open mics at places that shouldn't have open mics that can put on proper shows because I'm going to tell you this and I tell my students this. You're not going to know if you're getting better at an open mic night. Right. Telling jokes to three customers and 47 other comedians isn't going to let you know if it's good. What those are for is to practice your cadence, practice your delivery, and just work it out in your head. Don't expect laughter. Don't think it's bombing when it just practice. 
then find a guest spot on a legit show. That's how you're going to find out if that stuff works. Those are the shows I'm trying to put on. I put on big shows too. I got theaters. I got all kinds of stuff. But the Milliard Brewery in Nashville, which you've been to, these little places, the ones where I go, yeah. I'm going to give a new guy a guest spot. I've seen him enough. I want to see if he can handle a real spot. That's why my hand is in everything because I'm trying to figure it out. No, and it, it's so again, you, you got you and I are the same age group, a year or two apart, one way or the other. And there's nothing I take more pride in, you know, than 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 how I am with my boys. But they're now at the age where I, I ran a company in Los Angeles from 2004 to 2006. Sold it when my wife got pregnant because I'm like I'm working out of the house. I'm I'm not missing a thing. I'm not missing a thing. Right. But there are people I haven't worked with for 15 years who I get the phone call. Hey, I'm getting married to another girl who I had like 30 people work for me. I've been the best man in three or four weddings of people I haven't worked for. You know, um, I'm actually meeting with the town controller of, of Lowell tomorrow, uh, hoping to help bring them a, a new Lowell spinners here. And I have a kid who I ran a, I ran an arena football team like five, six years ago. And four or five people who work for me who are now in different professional MBA around who I can call because how you treat people coming up. And and it's the oldest cliche. Every you, you you're old enough now with we you know, where every cliche your grandfather told you, your grandmother, you're like, God damn it, they were right about everything. Everything. And the way on the way up on the way down. And and with the open mics, what's been nice is I have found and gravitated towards some of the people like Jen, who, who, as you know, it's like, she's great. And, but also a really good person. And I've seen her start to hit that mentorship level with the next wave of people going to the mics. Like we've gone to a couple mics, you know, together and we're, it's been one of those things where you try to find the nice way of saying to this person, this is hilarious. It doesn't work out of this room. It doesn't work with what you got here. The premise, great. But outside of this, it's not going to work at, at, at the brewery, you know, the, the, the microbrewery where uh, I saw Steve a few weeks ago. Or the, was it a VFW where you were hosting the fundraiser and stuff like that? It's not going to work in those rooms. And right. I've seen her talk to or put herself on bills with some of the young comedians who are now trying to book their own local little shows because her being on there gives it some gravitas and it's a real playing it forward thing that i've seen other people that you've mentored who are now hitting that stride where they're not going to open mics anymore to win the open mic they're going to the open mic to work on cadence whether you're looking at the wall or the six people there it's is your timing down if they don't laugh doesn't mean it's not funny if you're because if you want to win an open mic my open mic friends who accidentally listen to this walk into an open mic and say i got so high i shit myself at work and then i ran to the bathroom and decided to jerk off while i was cleaning up you're going to kill your open mic that is going to be awesome you're going to get the biggest laugh Yep. Th- then you're going to call Mike and say, hey, I see a VFW show <laughs> and the median age is going to be 40 and it's going to be 60, 65 moms to the dads. Um, can I come and do that joke there? <laughs> you know, uh, But the people you can tell who've had the training 
who've had the classes, who are putting in the hours, who are only going to the open mics like a major league baseball player gets to the park an hour early to hit off the tee, just to work on your mechanics. Here's the thing with Jen. His, Jen, Jen did one of the things I try to tell everybody to do. She listens. From the moment she started, whenever I would say throughout the class period, the five class period, I would say, hey, if anyone wants a little extra Zoom time, here, here are the hours. She would take one. Even now, after a set, you'll see her sit down and she'll write notes based on how she felt things went. Um, and Jen has been lucky enough um, to work everything from a, a five-person bar to I brought her to Mohegan Sun with me. You know what wow. I mean? She's open for me at comics uh, and things like that. So she's seen every level of it. And she's learned that for each room, for each type of room, you have to make an adjustment. And if you don't make an adjustment, it's not going to go well. And that's why she's becoming a good mentor, because she listens to what I say, to what Steve Bjork says, to what anyone she talks to that gives her advice. She takes it and she goes, all right, I'm going to apply that. She sat down with Steve Sweeney. Now, again, all advice might not be perfect, but if you take it and take the pieces you need out of it. And that's what she's doing, and that's why she's getting better. And and, I, and it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, because you're not too old to learn. I'm, the stuff I'm learning from, and I joke about it, you know, some of these people that I'm doing open mics are younger. They could be my kid, and it's right. not an exaggeration. Oh but but they'll say something or they'll understand something a different way than I would. And it actually really helps with the, you. You can't be too old, you know, to I, I've had a great phone call the other day. I, I saw Jim McHugh. Um, he wants to redo a podcast and we're talking about it. And it's like and just having conversations where he's trying to learn a different thing that somebody might know a little more and how, you know, and it's just great. I, I, I We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to Jen one more time. I didn't open mic with her a couple months ago. I walked to the car um, and I, I'm, I'm texting the wife. And then I look up and out of the corner of my eye, I see her skateboarding down the street. And I'm like, holy fuck, is she the coolest? <laughs> like just the absolute, you know, uh, uh, unobnoxiously cool, cool person, you know. This is just who she is. And and I did a bit at that mic where I talk about the the language barrier from my my Korean mother-in-law while we we're taking care of her. And she and I talked about it afterwards because she's like, oh, I'm mixed race and I've had this. And she actually workshopped a joke with me. I ended up doing that bit about a month later. My wife has seen three or four times, but I did it. You know, the ne- I, I've only let her go to three shows. <laughs> like I'm only you're not you're not going to a place that rivals the floor at the Pussycat Cinema in the 1970s across the street from the Garden. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, and and I said that, and she's like, "That's a new take on that." I'm like, "Yeah, she did." It. And 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 we just we also had this nice moment just a, a month ago talk about being supportive. Where the Lowell son. Somebody said, oh, this guy does this military stuff. Talk to him. They want to do an article. I said, no, I'll, I'll let me do this. There's all these great people. There's these voices in Lowell, uh, um, different things. Let me put together a panel. And Jen was one of them. And I pulled her in and we had the greatest talk with the woman from from the Sun about like, you know, just 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 the specialness of, of the city of Lowell and how. But anyways, but she is. She's one of those persons. And she talks about you. And like I said, there's been other people who like. Uh, oh, I, you know, um, uh, oh, Sean, I think is another student of your, uh, you know, a, a, a guy. And he just sent me his, and I, I, I've seen him for the last few months. 
another another well i'm not a single dad you're not a single dad but a single dad who's him having a kid has changed so much and just the best ways and it reflects in his comedy and who he is and how he is as a person but he's another person who's like yeah i i i he feels very confident about where he is how long he's been doing it because of the tutelage he's gotten from you and putting him in a real showcase that really forces you to practice in a different way than a mic does yeah you know, you know so are you a comedian are you a producer or are you a teacher <laughs> where do you rank those you really want to open that uh <laughs> pandora's box i am a self-employed entertainer okay who does other work i'm i'm also in, i'm also in film production Yep. Whether it's, I mean, last night, so I work for the IBEW, you know what I mean? So I work for anything from Red Sox to Patriots games to Boston Pops things, you know? So that's another side job I do. So I don't know if you can give me a title, but, uh, you know, comedian booker, I guess, is where I focus most of my energy. Um, but again, I also DJ weddings and I do, you know, I, I ring announce MMA. Uh, I, you know, it's. That's great. So it's just self-employed entertaining. Whatever I can do in the entertainment field, you know, what would I like to do? I'd love to just be a booker and a performer. But you, you know what? You know as well as I do. Sometimes you got to do the extra jobs to, you know, keep the paychecks coming. And the, it, it, and all the jobs you mentioned, there isn't anybody who is listening to this podcast in a cubicle who's like, I trade anything to have any one of those jobs. Like, like none of the side jobs suck. But I built up what I'm doing from a cubicle. Yes, right. I did I did mortgages for 10 years and I sat there saying, how do I get out of this cubicle? What do I have to do? I said, okay, I have to do 20 things because one isn't making me the right. money. So how do I stay out of the cubicle? Right. I got to become the guy uh, that if you need something, I got you. My business card says, eventually you'll hire me for something. Not far fetched. I mean, no. I'm, I'm a I'm a justice of the peace. I'm a ju you name it. I probably can do it. If not, I bet you I can get you someone that does tonight. Uh, so, uh, someone called me up for a party tonight. They go, uh, we need a fortune teller and a and a table magician. I go, got you. Made a couple of phone calls, hooked them up. Like I, I'm the guy. I'm the guy when you're at the when you're at the barbecue with your friends over Fourth of July, and they go, oh, I need such and such. Let me call Mike. He's my guy. Right. No, I, I, I say this jokingly, but it's true. I accidentally managed Billy Ray Cyrus for a year and a half, uh, 2006 to 2007 and produced three TV specials, all this. It opened the door to, I, I did this. He had this song called, I want my mother back. And I did a mock rap music video. I got him a, a special on a great American country, which I didn't even know what that was at the time. And it led to him doing anthems and halftimes to the NFL NASCAR. The coolest shit I've ever got to do. A year later, those same people who was the head of game time production at the Cincinnati, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs went to the 49ers. And they went to the 49ers and says, hey, we did this last year. Who can you bring me? And then the person who replaced him in Kansas City is like, hey, I'm going through his notes, my predecessor's notes. Can you do this? I've never done any of that. But I learned, say yes. Yeah. Hang up the phone. Relax. Because you know more people than you think, and just start working the phone, and and it's but that's the thing when you're naming all these things you're doing, none of them are 
DJing's fun. You know what I mean? It's work. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the work is getting stuff out of the car, into the venue, and back from the car. I, 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 I've, right. I, I won't do that anymore. Like, I was a drummer, and I'm still a drummer, but I will, I will only play gigs if there's a set there. That's it. I don't care what kind of set. I will bring my sticks, but I will not carry a bass drum from my car. Every, but but everything that you mentioned, and again, people don't understand how much it ties in. A DJ, who are the best wedding DJs? The funny guys, the ones who do crowd work. Because the technical work, a chimp can do it now because it's all on a laptop. You know what I mean? Everything's got a self-fader. You don't have to be a good DJ to, to do a wedding because you're not mixing beats. You're just playing popular music. The person that is a good DJ now is the guy with the personality that keeps the crowd going, that makes sure everything runs smooth. Yep. Yeah. Well, and 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 the hosting thing. Uh, yeah. I've seen you host. I've seen you headline. It's a completely. It's it's like if you go to the gym and you power lift every day, and then you say I'm going to go on this mountain ride bike. It's completely different muscles. Hey, I'm yep. in good shape doing this. I've seen you do both. And how did you develop those different muscles, or did they just kind of come along as you were doing the whole process? So here's how it started. I was a professional clown at age 16. Uh, by age 17, I went from birthday parties to six foot unicycles juggling fire. As I finally got out of that stuff, uh, karaoke started hitting really big, uh, big late eighties, early nineties. Uh, I started going and singing. I can't sing, right? I'm a drummer as well. Uh, but I started singing, but I made it funny. I made it a performance so you didn't care what I was singing. You laughed at what I was doing. The host, who was kind of, he was okay, but he was more of a straight man, said, why don't you come up here and co-host with me? Let's have some fun. So I started co-hosting. So I did that for two years. So just being the guy getting the crowd ready for the next performer is how I started before I even told my first joke. So when somebody found me and said, hey, you should try comedy. Okay. I'm, I'm just naturally the goofball that knows how to, you know, get the crowd ready. Have fun. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the timeline and, and yeah, a quick yes or no, as you were coming up in the clown world, learning to juggle and clown, was that the same time that John Wayne Gacy was a clown? I'm just, you know, because I'm thinking mid eighties, you but know, <laughs> it, it, it was it, between Gacy and it and all that stuff. It was all in that, in that realm. So it wasn't easy. So out of high school, I got hired by an amusement park in York Beach. And uh, I did it for three years there. And you had kids that loved clowns. And I was a very simple, very lovable clown. I was good. But there were many that did not. So finally, after a couple of years, I said, yeah, I just. The, we, one of my wife's best friends, the, she's a, she's a uh, drama teacher at uh, a local high school funniest person i know absolute sweetheart she's been clowning on the side for a few years absolutely loves it absolutely loves it she a couple years ago maybe it was about three or four years ago she forgot she was still in her clowning outfit as she hit a dunkin donuts on her way home from a gig at one in the morning and her poor iced coffee and let's thank batman that it was iced coffee that the person didn't mean to throw at her but oh, it's right God. around when it came out. Like she, she oh. is pulling around <laughs> and the poor girl's like, ah, and throws the iced coffee. And she's like, what? 
Oh yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I completely get it. Well, that 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 I've talked to a lot of comedians who were the funny guy at the office with this, but you've 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 come through like the Steve Martin school, where, or, or or the Robin Williams school. Most what? people don't know he was. The comedians all through the 80s and 90s, I think the favorite target of comedians was mimes, you know, and then you find out the greatest of all time is a professionally trained went to France mime, you know what I mean? My reason for stand-up comedy, Robin Williams and Howie Mandel. That's fantastic. The, that that's because I, I usually ask that it's like who who did you see who you either said I I want to be that guy or I think I can be that guy it was and, the energy and physicality of those two guys because that's what I knew my jokes even to this day aren't the most cleverly written jokes but like them I'm a performer you know what I mean right so I can take a joke and make it funny because of the way I deliver it with them again some of their stuff wasn't that funny but even even when Howie's picking on the audience, he would just make fun of. Hi, my name is Bob. Bob, bet you spell it backwards. Not clever, but the way he delivered it, you're like, oh my god, that's the funniest thing ever. The funny. It's got to be a top ten funny moment. I remember watching a stand up. Howie Mandel had a special. Showtime. It's HBO. It's in a round. It's in a. It's in a theater that slowly rotated. Oh my god. Oh my god. Two of the dumbest. But yes. Yes, the piece of lint on a fucking stereo. Yes. And when the poor woman went to the bathroom and he has everybody move their seat. And for 10 minutes, every it's a 2000 seat place. Everybody was in the joke. It was phenomenal. Oh, and and, in some some of my favorite comedians, I saw a comedian, uh, uh, you know, a stand up guy. He's he's that next rung up now. The guy named Lloyd Sharp. He told a joke a few weeks ago in which the premise was great and he doesn't say anything for two minutes because somebody had said something so egregious to him in the bit. And you can see it, it, it was so Bob Newhart. It was and I, it was so Jack Benny, you know, where it was all just the, the just the body motion. And you can see his wants to reply to the person. But as they're about to say something, they're like. No, that is, and it, it, you know, one of the greatest moments in comedy history, your money or your life. Silence for a minute. I say your money or your life. I'm thinking about it. Yep. I'm thinking about it. Three words with a minute pause. Funniest moment that gets quoted 80 years later. And, and with your comedy, I've seen, you know, you do that. And, and again, that's why people like you and, and Jim and, 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 you know, Bjork, if you read Steve, if he, if somebody transcribed some of his bits, yeah, it's funny. Right. How he says it. And he has this one bit and I was in the store. Uh, I was, I was running errand with my mom and I just start cackling because I'm in the milk aisle and, and I have his bit of like, I'm looking for a percentage of milk too. I will never. And I texted him. I'm like, you suck. I can never walk down the milk out without giggling. That's not funny on paper. I use one of Steve lines in everyday life. I swear to God, once a month when I'm at the supermarket and they put the meat up on the scale. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. And they, and they go, is a little over okay? I literally look and I go, do I look like I would say no to extra food? I say it every time. And I tell them, I tell them it all the time. 
And it's one of those things on paper that is funny. Right. How he delivers it. Hilarious. Because I did. I saw him at, at, at a room recently. The host wasn't there yet. And the first guy was okay. The second guy kind of took a little bit of the oxygen out of the room. Steve went up there. I start my watch. Six, seven. Yep. Yep. The room is not only back, it's now on. The, you could you could start chalking, lining the dead bodies that he left on the floor. How he turned a room, and it was just the simplest of, again, if you saw it on paper, but his physicality, his faces, when he has a com- and, and and I've seen you, those are the comedians I like, who are having a conversation with, and somebody's not there, and you don't even have to say the lines coming back, but your face says everything. Yeah. Your body language says everything. Your slumped shoulders, you know, says everything. And again, you know, when you talk about, you know, some of the home life things and and the slumped shoulders of like, well, how can I be mad? Because I, I, I'm the one who said I paint the floor and now I put myself in the corner, you know? You know uh, I want to go back to what you just said a minute ago. Um, and because we talked about it earlier, hosting. You had said the host didn't kind of leave it set up and then Steve had to come in and fix it. I'm about to put together a class that nobody will take. Yet every open mic comedian should take this class and it is a hosting class. It's how to properly host this as a, as a booker, as a booker, as a producer, I am looking for hosts. One of the worst things in the world that, that bookers do is they put open micers as host. Open micers don't know how to host. They only have seven minutes worth of material, and that's all they want to do. They don't know how to properly bring up the next guy, set the audience. They don't know how to do it. And a host can make or break a show. So I've had four different bookers in New England who are friends of mine say, Mike, could you teach a class? I go, yeah, but open micers are too proud or cocky. I'm not going to say which one it is to go take a course on how to properly host a show. But I'm going to do it because, again, as a headliner, if the host goes on, if the feature sets the crowd perfectly, then the host goes on to try to do a joke or two and brings it back down again, you just fuck the whole flow of a show. I, I, so fired up. <laughs> one of the first classes that I took, I still have, it's, I think the handout is 10 or 12 pages. Uh, a really good friend of mine, who I hate to say is no in jail, um, was was the star of that 70s show. And he got me a couple gigs, and I was going to get to do audience warm-up. And I didn't know anything about it. I had another friend on a sitcom. I went, I saw that guy was taking notes. I talked to the guy afterwards. He's like, oh, I'm running a workshop on this. 97? 98? 98? 99? If I look through my office, Mike, I have the material that he he's handed out about yeah. how to do that. And then it all kind of came crashing back. I saw, you know, you know, I should just go get his book over there. Um, Donovan wrote a book, you know, Mike Donovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's great about the book, I'm not a very good reader. I'm not. I've been stuck on the same chapter of, uh, you know, Hello, God, it's me, Margaret, for a decade. But his book isn't meant to start at the beginning and read through it. You can You can flip through it. I got his book and at my age, mid fifties, getting into this, I read the same three or four pages three or four times in one night and just took it in and reread it. Talking about the lost art of the introduction. Now, 
having fucked up your introduction <laughs> into the podcast, this is where somebody should serve me a shut the fuck up sandwich, you ADD moron. But he talks about at a certain at a certain time and frame, comedy hosting became what you're talking about. I'm gonna do my five minutes and then I'm focusing on the minute. 90 seconds between you getting off and the next guy coming on. How can I work on one of my other jokes? First is, how do I bring the next guy, the next gal up and keep the room up? And so when they hit the stage, the energy is didn't go down. Because, because you know, and and he talks about like through the 70s and 80s, 75% of the time he was getting great introductions. In the 90s and the 2000s, it's gone down incrementally. And it's it just and at the I got that about two months ago. At the time, I started to get asked to host things. I politely turned things down because I didn't want to. I I started practicing hosting as much as I started. It started my my material. I would I would cut out time. Okay, this is my VFW room. This is my college room. You know, if I'm going to do these things, I I in my head I break, but I I carved out time. I got. Somebody didn't show up at an open mic in Lawrence about a month ago and called me and said, hey, and there's like seven people there, eight people. It's at a cable station. It's a great mic because there's no bar. There's no restaurant. It's just comics coming to do comedy. So there's no asshole talking at the back of it. I got to interview, introduce Jimmy Tingle. And after the show, he says, that's the best introduction I've had in 10 years. And I don't remember how my set went. I remember that. Like, I, I don't think I've taken more pride in something than that. And and like I said, uh, you know, when I saw that show and Steve turned around, you host, you having a hosting class, I I will put the word out because there was some, there's a couple kids who are hosting who are doing okay that if somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing takes a little time and they're willing to put in a little bit of the work, if you're willing to put in 20% of the work you're doing on your material to be funny as you do hosting – I think we can bring that you can bring that lost art back. Here's what people here's what people don't get. Here's what new comedians don't get <clears throat> in a four comedian show, host, open feature headliner. Okay. Here is your job. And if you learn your job, the show will run better. Your opener, your job isn't to kill the room. Your job is to break the ice. That's it. Sorry to tell you, you're not that important. You're just there to get things started. Feature. Your act is to warm up the crowd and set the pace and get everybody ready. Headliner brings it home. The host, your job is to make sure it all ties together and flows properly, professionally, and in a timely manner. Again, your jokes, Mr. Host, don't matter. They really don't. They're the least important part of your job. I, I'm I'm incredibly, incredibly lucky. I still go to, to L.A. two or three times a year. I'm friends with two very, very big, successful people, Dante the Comic, and, and he's coming on the podcast in a week, and Sally Mullins, who she shot a comedy skit for she for my – our TV show, uh, we got a little money from Playboy TV to do a promo for them. It, it's uh, – <laughs> my comedy writing partner about – he had kids about – eight years before me and when his oldest kid was about eight he called and says hey we have to pull all the shit off youtube (laughs) because his kid was old enough to get to it but sally 30 year touring comic she has a great special on amazon prime a great special on amazon prime but she's still a fetish porn actress she's the best host i've ever seen because she really 
she'll she'll she hosts this thing called D's Nuts. I know it's 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 low hanging fruit, uh, but but North Hollywood. It's a monthly show, and how she goes from comic to comic, keeping that polite energy from your friends, your friends over the top clapping for you and the rest of the room before the next person gets working a little bit about what your material was getting off and bringing that next person. The timing of it's going to take a minute for this guy to sit down and this girl to get up here for the first 30 seconds. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that guy's material, working, feeding off that and keeping that laugh going for him. And then as this person is making their way to the stage, now you're building up this person with keeping the energy there. You're not supposed to kill it. And it's funny. I'm, the military stuff that I get to do, we've done a lot in the last couple of years. I enjoy it. And and now I'm I'm shouldn't be this is a midlife crisis. I've you know, my wife is very aware of this. I'm not a car guy and I'm not a have an affair guy, only because I can't get the name straight of a guest coming on the show. How the fuck am I gonna keep an affair straight? I do it. I am not loyal or faithful. I'm smart enough to know how dumb I am. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't think I get the first date under my right. belt. Right. And But I realize it's like at the best case scenario, my wife's like, what are you doing? And this is because I'm putting more time into it. And I'm like, you know what? Here's, here's the honesty. The best case scenario, I'd be a really fucking awesome middler. And about 18 months from now, like, and that's it. And I, in a million years, the homework that you have to do when I did 15 minutes for Greg and the second time, and then I did 20 minutes and the mayor came, I thought I was going to die going from five to 12 and then from 12 to 15. But the 15 to 20 was the biggest jump. And I, I, I don't want to do more than that. I don't want to do more than that. I have very small hands. So if I'm going to put crib sheets on my hands. There's a lot of pressure. The more you do, there's a lot of pressure. And and it's funny because about 10 years ago, you know, my guitarist and I, if we play Ralph's and Worcester, we even now we can get we can we can fill the room. But we rather be in our car when the last note is hit for the headliner who's a friend of ours so we started having bands we like hey you bring the drum kit i'm going to use your drums and you guys get to headline for us i don't want to be you know that extra hour i'm home and it's great but the same thing with middling if you know where your lane is and you know what your floor is and you know what your ceiling is i i i'm i'm not clawing my way to the middle (laughs) i'm very comfortable having fun because this isn't like my kids, you know, do a little music lesson and, and it's one lesson a week practice once or twice. They're not my meal ticket out of this hell hole. Right. Right. I, I want them to, if they're at a wedding or a bar mitzvah in like 10 years from now, and there's a piano there and you're, you're single, you will fucking clean up with the bridesmaids. If you can play this and they're good enough where they can play this or that they're not going they, they don't love it they don't have a passion but it, and and now they're at the age where it's like you know what yeah you're 15 you don't have to do this anymore but but it's the same thing it's like this isn't my meal ticket out of here if no. i you know if i if i kill it tomorrow it's like it's not going to change my life you know i know like when i talk to jim colton and he does these monthly cruise things i don't know if you and and, and jim McHugh does cruises it's like yeah Maybe, but my kid's hitting high school now. He's in theater. He's in that. I don't want to. I don't want to be on a cruise if he's he's in a play the next couple of years. You know, I, you know, my little guy fell down the sock. Your your guy's about to start sports. You know, and and those those and, and let's pray he doesn't play hockey. 
<laughs> because that's a full time commitment. You know, yeah. it would be, you know, and but you want to miss a five thirty practice. You know what I mean? And and you and as a dad, you don't. So I'm like, yeah, I'm happy doing this. I'm going out to LA in a couple of weeks for for a different project uh, that I'm really excited about. Sally put me up at a few places. She runs the belly room at the comedy store, and she's like, right. I can put you up on whatever the 28th, 29th of August is. And it didn't kill me to say I got to be back because my wife goes to work. She works in. She, my wife will be out of town. I have to be back with the little guy. I'm going out for two weeks. I'm doing three showcases. I'm very happy, very excited. Would I like to do the comedy store? Of course. But I got to be back because that's his first week of school. And 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 it's not like, damn it. Why did I have kids? It's like, oh, no, it's I can't miss this. Right. Planes still go back and forth. So have now that you have a four year old, have you had to come off the road? Do you do you do less out of the New England gigs? Or, or is it the balancing act? It's like, I'm going to be gone for a week. This is the, this is his book's first year, wherever he goes to school. Now COVID COVID kind of took me off the road. Uh, he, he was one right when COVID started and I hadn't done much in his first year anyways. Um, and then I just said, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to make a living here because I am one of 4 billion middle-aged white comedians out there. So traveling and trying to make a living doing this is just very difficult. Uh, so the longest I'll go away is like, Next, uh, yeah, next weekend, not this coming weekend, I'm at uh, Mohegan Sun for three days. So will I take the room and stay down there, even though it's an hour and a half away? I certainly will. You know what I mean? It's almost like my little mini vacation. Yeah, well, because when I start doing the sports travel, it, it's so great. Certain teams just really, I, here's the worst part about doing what I got to do. I, I hate the Colts. I hate the Miami Dolphins two of the best teams I've ever worked for. Just the sweetest people. They put you up at the nicest places and it's like, you're taking my hate away. But there's nothing I like better to do than to fly out, say goodbye, get to the hotel, check in, go to the bathroom without somebody pounding on the door. But, and then and I, the NFL has guidelines. You have to be in the city where the games played the night before. That that's an NFL rule. You can't miss a flight. You can't have a weather delay. If you're going to do the anthem right. or halftime show, you're in the town the night before, right. and 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 you know, and I'm going to fly out Monday morning. You know, it's a one o'clock game or twelve o'clock game if it's Indianapolis, and by halftime, I'm changing my flight. I love to get away. I loved so much to have, but by the end of the first twenty four hours, it's like, well, how can I get back to these little fuckers? Because it's a nice room. Everything's free. I'm in a luxury box. And all I can think about is getting home, going to the bathroom and being happy. He's pounding on the door because I know, I know double-edged sword, man. Right. So this, so no, it, it's funny. And, and this is what I really respect when I talk to comics, old white guys like us with kids, you know, just, and when, you know, Steve's the same thing, dad of four kids, you know, and he's somebody who a hundred percent, I know for a fact, turns down more than he takes, you know? And it's funny because when he got introduced to the host, it's like, oh, you'll see him in Vegas. And, and I'm, I'm sitting in the back room. like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know? The other could, stupid thing hosts do, they, they make up credits, knock it off. Could you, could you see him in Vegas if he chose to be a Vegas comic? Sure. Absolutely. A absolutely. But it's like, yeah, it's, and, and we are so blessed coming out. Well, first of all, how did you get through COVID? I mean, this is your job entertaining people in public. Was that just a, the dark ages of the dark ages or were you able to my do my wife's something? paycheck? 
<laughs> okay. Okay. I, I did other things. I uh, <clears throat> I delivered for um, I delivered for Uber Eats. I delivered for uh, I delivered a bunch of stuff where you didn't have to really deal with people directly, just food. Right. So I did I did a lot of side jobs. Got unemployment. You know what I mean. Then I did a little side stuff to stay ahead of the game, but. I'm blessed. Like, like our, our wives get jobs, you know? Yeah. We found out, and, and I hate to say this, the two things I hate about my comedy is I've been writing comedy with my best friend who usually does the podcast with me since like 94. I'll do a 20 minute set. The five best jokes were written by him <laughs> or like the, the, the new thing that I get a really good laugh. I don't want to brag. We're a two income family. My wife has two jobs, you know, and it's true. And she's a nanny for for amazing people, amazing family. She she travels with this family she's with. She travels. She found out over pandemic that not only is her job pandemic proof, the family she used to work for, you could hear the beeping of the money truck because they're now working out of the house. And right. they and she would go, we wouldn't see her for days at a time because she would go from place to place and it's and she loves these families she loves these people and it was also helping in support because she had me here to, to right. take care of the boy but we're so lucky because most of the stuff that i was doing at the time all the military stuff you know just went away and, and there's not a ton of money in it there's there's money in it but have you ever done any of these military tours uh, i did I, i've been to one place i've been to the marshall islands years ago uh for a special trip but that was it i have never done like a uso tour or anything like that i, I don't recommend the uso because they don't pay anything but armed forces entertainment at least pay stipends and stuff but it's one of right. those it's one of those things where even the virtual tour we did a big virtual the amount I, i'm a pacifist i wish the education people at one one thousandth of their budget but it's not the military i i don't like uh raytheon but the poor kids from Lowell, who this is their way out, I will get on a plane and go to Kuwait and bring, you know, ex NBA players to see them type thing. But all that went away, <laughs> you know, and it's like, right. you know, how how do? You, and the other thing is like, you you don't do you don't do comedy, or I, I don't think the better comics like yourself do comedy for the money. You have to do this. It, it's yeah. it's it's a, it's a sickness. <laughs> it's absolutely it's absolutely a sickness. You know, what's the longest, if, if somebody came and said, I'll give you $1,000 a day, every day, you don't tell a joke. Would you, would you make $2,000? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could. I mean, just, just in everyday life, I'm trying to crack something. So I don't know. Damn. And, and, and again, because I know some the friends I have in LA, I'm very lucky. And some of the people are, you know, we, we, we have a place there. It's nice. and It's quaint, but we'll visit friends who literally have mansions in my son's always like, why can't we stay with bill? <laughs> you know, but, but the people who I know who are the happiest and, and because my wife has worked for crazy rich people, because I've got to do the, the happiest people I know are the ones who love what they do. And it's such a, again, a cliche where it's like, yeah, I don't consider any of the things I do work. Whether I'm doing it for the military, whether I'm writing this, whether I'm doing, you know, helping a kid figure out like, you know, you know, how to tie your opening joke to your closing one with one line. <laughs> and, and there's a thrill. There's nothing I don't I, I'll put in as yourself. You probably put in an 18 hour day yesterday. Was that really work or, or are you looking back at these photos and standing on the stage and being the center of 
one of the greatest cities during one of their greatest days. And you're like, I'm getting paid for this. Yeah, no. So this, you know, look before and after, like after is the worst after is, you know, three hours of heavy lifting of cables and cameras and you know, so for an 18 hour day, did I work five? Maybe. Right. And, and then when your kid looks back and I, my kids are now at that age where I've gone from being the embarrassing dad to now I'll get a call from, you know, one of my sons. It's like, Hey, what was that statue that we saw in Italy that, that the person got fired for in Florida? I'm like, what? And my son sent me an article, some teacher in Florida pornography because they had a statue of David picture in their office. And I text him the picture that we were there a couple of years ago, you know, and and now he's like, oh, when we did this and I brought the oldest guy out to L.A. last year and it's the first time he realized it's like, oh, you're not full of shit. You actually do know how to do, you know, to, to do this. And and you're getting to that age. And so your son is four um, and you're around the house. It's it's that's a win win because I don't how close were you to your dad? You know, not. Yeah. Do you think you've spent more time with your kid in four years that your dad did in the 18 years you lived at home? Yes. And and I don't belittle our dads. You know, my dad did us a huge favor and left because he was a douche and he'd be horrible. You know, it was better to have a childhood without a dad. But it's like, it's such, it's such a gift. And it's like, when I hear you say, it's like, and you could, you could probably be on a cruise every other week. And and you could have his college paid for by the time he's seven. I couldn't do it you know, between four and seven, you know what I mean? It's like, you'll never get that time back. And that's what all my friends told me too, is we're hitting, we're hitting that stride where now he does stuff and he's only going to like you for a couple more years. You know what I mean? Before he starts getting his friends and his life and his things and stuff. So these are the ones to focus on. Like right now I had a busy couple of days. My wife and kid are up in Kennebunkport, just having a couple of days of mommy sun time. And I'm like, Oh man, they're not here. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't change because mine are now 13 and 15 and it's changed at different times, you know, but, but where, you know, my, my 15 year old, he ate something, he banged his head on something, but six months ago, he's turned a corner with certain for a couple of years. He was in his room. He, he was in his room to the point where he had a checkup and he got prescribed to him vitamin D pills. Or, or B12 shot, like, like whatever the sun gives you, <laughs> like, right. like, like the, you can take this pill once a week or get the fuck outside, you know? And he always had to go to like, you got to go to jujitsu. You got to do this, but here are the things I'm obligating you to a couple hours a week, the rest right. of the time. And he chose not to now he, he on his own took a 50 hour course over February vacation, a lifeguarding course. And now he's at the city pool. And now it's opposite. My wife is like, you're 15. They can't schedule six days in a row and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to talk to somebody. And he's looking at me. It's like, can you do something about this? It's like, I, my, my son said to the wife, it's like, mama, I'd be there six days volunteering. The fact that they're paying me 20 bucks an hour, you know, I want to do this. So he went from not leaving the house to this. So you go back and you have these different moments, you know, you have these moments where I don't, how old were you when you had the moment with your dad? It's like, I think I can take this fuck. You know, and, and and it's funny because my joke with my truth with him was he doesn't want to do jujitsu and MMA. It's like, dude, it's twice a week. How long do I have to do this? When he was 11, I'm like, till I can't put you in the car. 
I'm getting older and fatter and slower. This yeah, is a yeah. you oh, problem. Yeah. And now that he's an inch taller than me and he weighs 30 pounds more than I did playing college hockey and it's all shoulders. <laughs> he doesn't have to do a fucking goddamn yeah, thing, right? you know, and then his other brothers. But but being a dad, it's just I love talking comedy. I love talking dads. I will let you get on. Is there anything you want to you plug? How far along are we with the hosting class? Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely happening and it's going to be announced in the next week. Uh, it'll probably happen some Sunday night in August, I think is the plan right now. Um, if it's be- not August, I'm back on the 11th. I will be at your hosting class. If it's not on the 11th, I'll make I sure can, it's after that. And it'll I be at tell the you funny comedy club in the China and the China boss. Because honestly, when I, when I was asked to host, it, I didn't want to. And then I read Mike's book. I'm like, yeah, that's an art. And then when I saw, I've seen good host i love you know steve steve is a steve is a good host at, at luna and i've seen other posts and i'm like i'm so glad that you're finding that and so you got that coming up and is your i'm not even going to plug any shows just fucking go to instagram you have a show where you're either headlining or jim colton you have him down at the cape next week i've just seen i know steve has a couple shows of yours coming up uh, but i will ask you and it's a tough question this is a tough one i, I don't want to put you on a spot but i'm going to knights of columbus or vfw <laughs> i don't know if people out in england will understand the pain on your face right now <laughs> They're both, honestly, some of the most amazing places to perform. I don't know why, but these people want to be there. And they're just your average beer-drinking, wonderful people. But I'm going to go VFW because I've done way more VFW shows. And knock on wood, I swear to God, they've all gone well. Now, I, it was The place that I saw you guys, it was in southern New Hampshire. It was at an attic space, maybe an attic of a VFW. And there's 40 people there. Yeah. And like you said, everybody, the you sense, I don't know if, if when you book a show, you're like, this guy's material works here, or you know those comics want to be there. Yeah. But that bit. room was awesome. Yeah. It, it's one of those things, if you judged a book by your cover and you walked in there, it's like, oh, hey, everybody worked their way to the middle here, you know? Right. right. Everybody, everybody had a great time. Yep. And when a comic was talking, there wasn't any talking in the back of the room. They paid their 15, 20 bucks yep. to be there for that. And, and it's, it's, is it white trash? 100%. And, you know, and, you know, you know, am I white trash? Like, you know, that's one of the new bits I'm trying to work out. I can't make it work. But I talk about, you know, my son, my cleaning my son's pants and he had a condom and he's 12 and the roller coaster of emotion. It's like, why does he have this? You know, he's listening. That's great. And then you turn it over and it was a magnum. And I'm like, my family is from Ireland, Scotland, Wales, you know, the same island. His mom's made in Korea. Nobody in our family history needs this. So it's like, we embrace our white trash. My wife, my wife is a proud, uh, what does she call herself? Oh, fuck. Uh, a Twinkie. You know, because she could not be more. You see her dance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of her parents was from Boston. <laughs> you know, one of her parents was definitely from Boston. Mike, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to post all your socials. I cannot thank you enough. I, I am definitely going to be at your hosting class. And, uh, and may the force be with you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for taking the time.